Welcome to Insights into ESG, a new podcast series brought to you by KPMG and the Crown Dependencies. Earlier this year, we launched KPMG Impact, bringing together new and existing ESG commitments under one umbrella. In each episode, we'll discuss the many different aspects of ESG with our guests, how they're reacting to the challenges and how they are adapting to the new business environment around them. Welcome to the KPMG Insights into ESG podcast. I'm Harry Briggs, an Associate Director in the Jersey office of our Crown Dependencies firm. As part of our KPMG Impact Initiative, we're taking a look at ESG through different lenses over this series. And today I'm joined by Jeremy and Ian from Algo Dynamics. Afternoon, gents. Good afternoon. Thank you for inviting us. Not a problem. So, Ian, let's start by introducing Algo Dynamics. Can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do? Yes, of course. Algo Dynamics is a company founded by a group of Cambridge PhD researchers, which is applying complex algorithms, but in the cloud and using direct feeds from exchanges around the world so that we don't disrupt our client base. And, and what we do in the cloud is run the analytics using what is known as behavioral economics. A fellow by the name of Taylor in, in America got a Nobel Prize and we actually did something useful with it. So it's an interesting conjunction of the two. And we, we forecast price movements by gathering, basically Jeremy will go into some more detail later, I'm sure, but we, we simply gather the behavior that's actually happening in the real-time trading world and we send signals that say they are called up flags and down flags, and we send end flags for when the upwards or downwards trend is going to go away. And we send flags to say this instrument is going to go up in value in the next few hours to few days, or it's going to go down in the next few hours to few days, and then we send an end flag when it's over. Hmm. So it's okay. very straightforward, and we do have a product called Magnum that looks about six or eight weeks ahead. Uh, which is better for the very large investment firms who have long-term decisions to make. And if they decided to get out of a stock or dump a stock, they'd disrupt the market completely if they did it quickly. So we have the longer-term product too. Okay, okay. So when we first met, I actually accused you guys of being uh, flash boys, didn't I? And sort of thought you were some of these high-frequency traders. But actually, what you're doing isn't algo trading. You're just providing some sort of insight into the, the real-time data on the exchange. Absolutely. Right? Yes, absolutely. I've occasionally uh, been known to say since I joined the firm that why the heck did you call it algo dynamics? Because we run an algorithm in the cloud, but we're nothing to do with algo trading. Yeah, okay, understood. So your, your client base then, uh, is this mainly sort of family offices, brokerage firms, that kind of thing? Uh, we have a very broad client base where we, we range from family offices to hedge funds to very large asset management firms, even to investment banks whose brokerage desks use our information to tell their clients and obviously try and get more volume through their through their desks. Okay, fine. So your, so your, route, to market, your route to market then is presumably just through intermediaries, lawyers and, and trust administrators, that uh, sort of thing, is it? Uh, no, it's very much uh, direct selling, but we are, dare I say it, trying to get consulting firms and uh, and accounting firms to work with us because obviously they know their clients and know their requirements. But it's primarily been by us contacting people directly. And one of the few benefits of being my age is I know a lot of people. <laughs> OK, that's great. That's a really good introduction. So thanks very much for that, Ian. OK, so let's talk about ESG then. So, Jeremy... If I uh, can draw you in, 
So what can your forecasting analytics tell us about ESG? Okay. So just, just you know, repeating what Ian just said in terms of what we do in terms of directional forecasting, um, it is based on behavioural activity. So it, it's looking at the behaviour of market participants and we take care of all the data, as Ian was saying, you know, we take care of all the background thing and we provide a directional insights. Okay. Um, what is really interesting on the ESG side is it's it's still a tough, complicated topic. And, and we were discussing just before the podcast, you know, some UK company claiming to be ESG turns out they were not actually that ESG. And by the time the markets found out, you know, it sort of tanked 20 plus percent. We're, we're not near, not here to name and shame. I'm just saying it's, it's a very complex, difficult area if you want to do it properly. So um, I think the real key takeaway is from our analytics is we actually looking at what's actually happening so you know that okay. company might be classified as esg our analytics might tell you something else so i think okay. that's the real value add and, and just to sort of you know put into context of course esg you know lovely asset class lovely investment can be quite volatile can be quite challenging uh, and that's where we're really adding our value so okay and what, and what um, sort of instruments are we, are we talking about here just equities or broader yeah, than that um, equities, uh, well, global equities, I think that's probably our, our bread and butter. Um, at the index level, at the fund level too, by the way, we have ESG funds monitoring. And I think Ian's going to jump in now because he's, he's got some we more also, insights. We cover a very broad range of instruments and people will say to me, how can you do foreign exchange or bonds, which are not exchange traded because we take exchange mm -hmm. data. But in fact, what we do is develop a proxy by using, mm. for example, for a bond, we use the underlying equity and we use a derivative of mm. the bond. And between those two, we can actually, by applying our algorithms and Jeremy's clever guys in Cambridge, we can work out what's happening to the bond itself. So we can predict a broad range. And we also predict commodities, which is proving of great interest yeah. in our Middle Eastern base. OK, that's interesting. So that piece around bonds really opens up um, your software to green bonds then in that whole market. Yeah, indeed. Fantastic. Okay. So how, how does it work and how are you actually identifying sort of pr poor performance uh, as a result of ESG? Okay, I'll probably uh, take that one. Yeah. So as I said, um, we take care of all, of all the data. Um, the poor performance is is a question, you know, when, when, when the market participants decide, you know, this is not an ESG compliant, this, this clearly does not tick our box and they start behaving accordingly. So, you know, the poor performance is actually, it, it's the market participants already deciding for themselves. What we're doing on the analytic side is we are observing this and we're reporting it to back to our clients to say, you know, guys, girls, portfolio managers, you think this is ESG, you think this is a good idea. Other fund managers clearly do not think this is a good idea. They uh, so it, it is, yeah, absolutely. And I think just to build on that one too, because it's a big thing now, we're, we're working with, dare I say, other consultancies too. Um, you know, there's the problem sometimes about, you know, data bias and algorithmic bias, which is not at all our case. Because as I said, you know, it, it's real time, it's behavioral, it, it's literally what's going on there. We're not learning from any previous assumptions. We're not learning from any previous models. It's there in real time based on what we are seeing. So dare yeah. I say, it is the purest form out there. So You're not using past data then? You're no, using no, no, real time data no. One of the great attractions of Algodynamics to me was that I had actually uh, initially for a bank turned around and then I built a couple of companies that were collecting time series price data and mm. helping Algo guys to build models. We don't have a model. We don't mm. build models. We, we work in real time data. We compute in real time. 
and we predict what is going to happen as a result of what's happening live in the market. Okay. okay. And, and to, to just to reiterate on that one, the fact there's no models, no historical data, which I think is even more applicable for ESG. You know, it is a dynamic world. It is changing. Your, your pre, your yesterday's ESG assumptions are not necessarily true for today. So I think this is about as good fit as you can in, in terms of, you know, ESG. Yeah, it's, um, so I guess you're, you're ignoring effectively any kind of uh, ESG reporting or indexes or any of these sort of things. And you're looking straight through at the, the hard data yep. and you're saying, like, mm. is this true or not? Um, and the market's telling you whether it is or it isn't. Okay, that's and quite interesting. It is very variable too, because if you look mm. at the case, for example, of BP 10 years ago, you would have said big nasty oil company. Mm. They're now spending a huge amount of time and effort in going green and trying mm. to become ESG. And you're seeing that reflecting in their performance as well, presumably. Mm. They, they seem to be doing moderately well for an oil company in the current climate. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. I mean, I suppose it's interesting because the, you know, the example we were talking about before the call, um, and we won't, as you say, name names, but this is a, a, a business that isn't holding itself out as particularly sustainable, but was ranked quite highly for ESG. So it was a, a sort of typical manufacturer, not, not sort of renewable energy or anything like that. And yet that's turned out not to be the case as a potentially element it, of greenwashing, I suppose. It was greenwashing and it was, you know, it was flag being flagged up by our systems big time actually saying well this this is not right and you know regardless of the classifications and, and what everybody else is saying you know if the data doesn't stack up harry will, will quickly flag it up to say guys girls this, this is not correct this does not make sense you know as a portfolio manager trader or, or broker you know wealth advisor you better look at this this is just not not the right thing yeah i guess it highlights um quite an important point as well because I think people tend to still think of ESG in, in terms of pure sustainability. So, you know, are they a, a wind farm or a solar farm or something yeah. like that? But actually now investors are looking at ESG risks attached to every business. Mm. So regardless of what their activity is, every business is carrying some some level of ESG risk, which isn't necessarily climate either. You know, that could be, um, you know, abuse of zero hours contracts or overbearing. Yeah. Well, exactly. People like tend to forget that the S stands for social. And the social yes. bit is is the workplace conditions, the, dare I say it, close to modern slavery in some factories and so on. Yeah. Mm. So these um, examples we've sort of talked about, I guess there is some correlation there between poor ESG performance and, and poor returns, potentially. I think it's very much the case that the people boasting about their ESD credentials and then it turns out not to be true that's when we see the market starting to nosedive very quickly. They're, they're stock going down fairly rapidly. So, yeah. And if I could just build up on that, there's greenwashing, and it, that, that's what the analytics do. It, it's a anomaly detection, essentially, you know, so flagging inconsistency. So I think even more so. And then said, just to reiterate again, you know, ESG, lovely investment asset class. It's just it's a bit more volatile. So having the right analytics, the right tools really does make a difference. So it's important well, to that, so. The volatility you've mentioned a couple of times. Mm. Why do you think ESG is more volatile than other sectors? There's I a, think I can. Do you want to do it, Jeremy? Or? I, I think I'll probably. I, mean, I think we should both do it. But I, I think my just purely from from the data science point of view, um, it's it's still it's still in motion. Essentially, uh, you know, this asset class is still being defined. We're not clear about it. It's the rules are changing. It, it's. Uh, 
technical jargon, you know, it, it's a non-stationary problem, essentially, and that's where we add the biggest value, by the way. So I think it, it's still earlier days. So as you would expect anything in the earlier days, you know, there's more uncertainty, and that's being reflected in the volatility. And then Ian's probably got a, a, a much wider perspective on, on that one, too. So, Ian, yes. Well, I was actually going to say about what you said, but in more <laughs> layman's terms. It's just very simple. People, if people are silly enough to boast about their ESG credentials mm. when they don't actually have them, then the market becomes very volatile as they uh, as they start to be found out. And we like a lot of trading activity; makes mm. it easier for us to do our predictions. So it's actually quite interesting. We can pick up on the ESG guys because mm. there is the volatility there. Yeah, that's interesting. Which also goes to show that investors really do care about the the true ESG credentials mm. of the business. Yeah, they also care about the honesty of the business. If they're boasting about it and they're not, what else are they not telling the truth about? It's a challenge too. Yeah, yeah, no, that is interesting. I guess it ties in with with what we're seeing um, at KPMG as well. So, you know, a lot of our our work in ESG isn't now coming from uh, what you traditionally think of as sustainable businesses. It's coming from normal businesses that are trying to grapple the challenges of of mm. measuring and, and managing their ESG risk and reporting it to investors as well. So what we've actually done in, in globally in KPMG is created this KPMG Impact Initiative, and that pulls together all of our services under the ESG lifecycle. So anything from strategy, implementation, reporting, and importantly, assurance as well, which goes to your point around trust. And I yeah. think that's probably an element that's uh, missing from a lot of the market at the moment, assurance on a lot of these ESG statements, which is creating a lot of volatility when it's disproved. That's quite interesting stuff. Great. Okay. So there's some uh, really interesting insight there. So thank you very much for that, guys. Um, I guess I have to ask you the question about COVID as well as you're here. So you've been had a, a finger on the pulse of the market for the last year. It's been really volatile across the board. How have you guys performed? If this was a visual recording, you would see the huge grin going across my face. We did extraordinarily well. We, as a simple example, our clients tend not to want to talk about the fact they're using us because they regard us as being a competitive advantage. When COVID hit, it had, we had such an impact on saving people from disaster that two family offices in the US, one in New York and one in California, actually issued a press release about how well they'd done by following what we were advi advising them was going to happen. And they showed a simple graph where the S&P index nosedived when the pandemic first hit. And they carried on with a slightly gentle upward gradient of their performance because they'd seen it coming because we guided them. And that's been so, true across the board. We've, uh, we've actually grown our business in the last year. So those clients actually grew during that period of uh, yeah. volatility. And they were they were very successful when many a fund was showing huge drops, and especially mm. the funds just tracking the indices. The, the indices have been very volatile this year. So how, how did that play out then? So your your algorithm advised them to exit certain stocks and enter others then? Uh, we're very careful uh, not to advise them to exit because we are not licensed or regulated as an advisor. We send for, forecasting indications and they build them into their own strategies. And they saw us forecasting the fact that things were going to nosedive quickly. And they, on their own decisions as part of their own strategy, they got out of those stocks. Wow. Okay. Impressive stuff. So just thinking back to um, 
ESG when you're obviously advising and sending these directional signals to your clients. If you had um, clients that were only wanting to go into investments that were sort of ESG positive in some way on, on some measure, is that something you could overlay? So you would sort of filter out your instructions for any investments that meet a certain ESG criteria for that client? Well, every client has a list of instruments which they wish to look at and receive our notifications for. So if a client sends us a list of only ESG, then that's what they'd get the indications for. So that's one way of doing it. And I guess, Jeremy, over to you. Could we actually yeah, build I... in some sort of ESG? We're tracking ESG funds. Uh, there's a few ETFs we're tracking, so that's on that one. But just to reiterate Ian's point, you know, the client usually comes back with their list and their requirements, and we happily, if we don't have it already, put it on our platform analytics. And then, you know, part of the service is just just flagging up to say, well, guys or girls, this is not, you know, you think you've got an ESG stock, but it turns out it's probably going to be quite volatile. And maybe it's not as ESG as you like to believe it is, actually. So I think, as I said, it's just weeding out things that ought to not to be there. And, and, you know, quite frankly, even some of the better ESG ratings ones can still be quite volatile. So I think it's just really augmenting that client decision-making processes about, you know, how can we add the most value? How can we yeah. avoid the downsides? How can we make sure you're there for the upside? So it's it, it just enhancing that whole client decision-making process around ESG. So. And, and have you seen any kind of um, increase in activity on the ESG front from your clients? So are you having more conversations about it now than you used to or more requests from clients around the ESG? I guess we didn't have the conversations a couple of years ago and we are doing now. So definitely, yes, things are, people are starting to take a lot more notice. Yeah, great stuff. Okay, Ian, Jeremy, thank you both very much for coming on and talking ESG with me. Sounds like you guys have a, a really interesting product, so all the best with it. Um, is there any final words from, from you guys before we sign off? Well, I guess, if nothing else, I'd like to say thank you very much for having us on. And the question's made us think, so that's a good thing too. <laughs> good stuff. We'd like to hear. Likewise, Harry. Great to be part of the podcast. So thank you for that. Thanks, Jeremy. Okay, and thank you to everyone for listening. If you'd like to learn more about KPMG Impact or discuss your ESG business needs with our team, please visit our website in the link in the podcast summary. Thank you for listening. See you next time.